Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Bonjour. Hello and welcome to Drive-by Cinema, Season 4, Episode 17. The podcast where we watch the movies so you don't have to. And with me is Salut. my, my co-host Paul. Hi everybody and hi Richard. Welcome this cold and crispy evening. Or Richard, I suppose you mean. Richard, yes. Paul, I wanted to bring up something from last week, as usual. Don't keep it down, we don't need vomit in the studio. Sorry. Last week, last week we reviewed Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. We did, uh, yes, yes, we did. It must rank as one of the longest names of a film that we've ever reviewed. We're yes. usually more comfortable with the one-word film titles, aren't we? So during my what I'm dramatically going to describe as my research prior to the podcast and prior to mm-hmm. watching the film, I noted a review of this movie on Letterboxd. Letterboxd is the service that we use. It's an app and a website where we keep all of the lists of the films that we're watching, that we have watched, and that we're going to watch. Yeah. But I read this review, and it tickled me, and I wondered if you would like me to share it with you. For the Talking Mongoose? For Nandor, Fodor, and the Talking Mongoose. I do, this I is do. From, this is from Caleb. Stop, stop press. Is it AI? It could be. We don't know. It might be auto-generated. I don't think so. He says... For the past six years, I have been working on a screenplay which would have been an adaptation of the original Jeff Haunting. So finding out that this movie was a thing was disheartening, to say the least. (laughs) Genuinely, six full years of work to be the first modern Jeff film, seemingly wasted. Oh, Oh, dear! So it goes. This movie is serviceable, shoots itself in the foot in the last two minutes, and really holds it back from being great. Simon Pegg look like, looks like he's having fun. I'm just haunted every turn by shadows of what my own work could have been. Permeates the whole picture, you know? Could I have made a better Jeff movie? Probably. Maybe. <laughs> Will I ever? Maybe. Oh. Truly, who cares? <laughs> well, it's easy these days. Just get your auto video generating done from AI. Write your scripts in. It'll do the, it'll do the scenery and the characters for you these days. Not sure which I've got to say, if you're devoting six years of your life to a movie which you're not even sure will be will be that good, I mean, <laughs> he gave it two and a half stars, and he's not sure he can do better than that. <laughs> hey, well, he's, he's obviously petulant, so I think you know to rein that petulance and still give it two and a half stars. We, that man needs to be lauded for his generosity. I think. I think, Paul, three years into that work. Four or five at least. You should have gone by now. This is not going to work. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> oh dear. What we would have either wanted is something fantastical or something a bit more rooted in the actual historical accuracy. Historical accuracy of the case. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's not satisfying, is it? To be given something that purports to be based on truth and yet takes wild leaps of fancy. Uh, whilst doing so. At the very least, it ought to have a very clear metaphor or message that if, it, if it's not going to do the literal truth, mm-hmm. it must have a deeper truth to, to reveal, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I, there were some nice things, I'm not going to get back into review it, but the fact we never saw the mongoose was good, a suspense, but then we never actually saw it, which I thought was just like, you know, I mean, if you've got to enters and teasers with this eyeball as a, as a whole, let's see at least the shadow of a mongoose. Yeah. Well, you do see it at the very end. At the very end, that's, that's, what, that's, that's past, that's, you know, past itself. Yeah, death at that point, it's, it's an epilogue at best, isn't it? I think that's the bit that perhaps Caleb was taking issue with. Christmas is upon us, Richard. Have you been Christmas shopping, Bat? Well, I was trying to shop today, but it was in, impossible. It's packed. The Christmas down markets. The, down the little middle? No. I wasn't in a supermarket. I was in the city centre. Oh. That was perhaps oh. one of my mistakes. Yeah, Were it was unbearable. out the mall wine? I would love to have had a mulled wine, but I wasn't prepared well, to queue through the throngs of people. There's so many people in town. I actually knocked the mobile phone out of the hand of a of a woman. <laughs> I was running for a tram to get home so I could record this podcast, and she was holding her phone out absentmindedly. Very daft, daft. Ape. I think it was her fault. Yeah, she was in the middle of the road between two tram rails. So, okay, you have to keep moving, don't you? You can't hang around. around. Anyway, it seemed fine. So you didn't find yourself coming home with a pocket of stolen, a, a packet of stolen in your pocket? No, well, I mean, I normally I don't really like fruitcake-based Christmas treats. Why not? It's cultural appropriation, isn't it? Why is it cultural because appropriation? Because it's stolen. It's stolen. Yeah. Oh, it's stolen. Yeah. I see. 
Very, I see what you did there. <laughs> right, well. So you, I mean, you're almost saying humbug here, Richard, aren't you? I, I do feel say. I'm dangerously close to that. I suppose you could argue the whole Christmas market embrace, thing is cultural. Embrace the dark side. It's cultural appropriation, isn't it? The German Christmas market concept. Absolutely. I'm not about mulled wine if we ever had it or didn't have it before. Of course we must have done. No, we had hot sangria. <laughs> That's very British. <laughs> Well, so then, you know, before the 90s, or whatever, well, why made it over? We just had hot sangria, didn't we? At least maybe there was a hiatus when we had it in the Middle Ages. But I think we stopped having it. But it's got very, like, Englishy uh, spices in it, hasn't it? Nutmeg and, and cinnamon and stuff. It feels... Yes, I mean, those are spices traditionally used in, in English bakery and cooking, but... The, uh, not usually it's wine. Say they're not from <laughs> they're not from the UK, Richard. Nutmeg, nutmeg is from Indonesia, principally. I guess maybe we didn't do very much wine in in olden times. Wine was expensive, and nutmeg even more so. So even if it were a British kind of menu in in one of those old cookery books, I doubt it would have been among the populace. Have you not been doing any Christmas shopping in Blackpool? Does Blackpool have Christmas markets? You don't know. You've... We've just got a food. We've just got a food hall. Right. Yeah. Right. You've got nowhere you can Markets, buy bratwurst yeah. or... If I wanted it, no, there isn't. Lancashire hot pot or to be eaten on the street out with a wooden fork. How about... Very Christmassy Lancashire hot a pot. A paella. You can get paella. Or hog roast carved off into Any a... Any panettone. You'd like a bit of panettone, Richard, wouldn't you, if you don't like a rich fruit bread? Yeah, that sounds nice. I, I agree. So when you walk down the never, shopping I'm, streets I'm, of Blackpool, they haven't erected a load of impromptu... Market stalls selling Christmassy things. I've got to be honest here. I do my Christmas shopping online, Richard. I don't make No, I can't blame you now. I can well understand that. Apart from anything else, there's nothing in the shops because presumably they can't get through the ports thanks to Brexit. (laughs) So there's a lot of people wandering around not knowing what to buy. (laughs) Well, basically, I think it's the moaners. They want to go and moan at closed shop frontage, you know. Look at that. Another pound lounge lounge shutdown. (laughs) What's happening to this country? Look at that. Another William Hill shutdown. Who would believe it? Can I take you away from this country, cold weather, to somewhere completely different, a different time, a different era even? What do you think? Indeed, take me, take me away. Where are we off to? After this music, I'll tell you. Here we go. So, Paul, I don't suppose you've listened to any of the last couple of episodes. You haven't heard any of the new music that we've been injecting. This could be a trick. There might be no new music. I'll (laughs) just go with, no, I haven't. Oh, okay. No, well, listen, if you find yourself with a spare few minutes, maybe just download one of our recent episodes. Maybe fast forward to about 10 minutes in and see what happens. Bathe in Rich's smug improvement of my music. Thank you. (laughs) I don't see it as an improvement of your music, Paul. I see it as a... Okay. Joint venture. It's an evolution, isn't it? A joint venture of ousting my creative... creative Standing on the shoulders of giants. Paul, what is the name of the film that we watched for this week? You take your choice and you have a various choice to this Do one. we? It's Bang Gang, a modern love story, but in French you could say Bang Gang, une histoire d'amour moderne. Huh. I was... Kind of hoping I was going to hear you say bangang in French accent a lot during this episode. Bangong. Bon they do see this, they say bangong. <laughs> bangong, they say it several times uh, on the phone to each other. They, they do spit it out in a very casual sort of French way, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I had the French on and there's English subtitles underneath. It's vastly spoken French, it's not easy to follow indeed. No doubt. Interesting that it is such vastly spoken French because the... One of the lead actors in this is, he, he's British, but his, I think his mum was French, and he must have lived in France for quite a long time. It's the guy playing Alex. Oh, the lead? Okay. Yeah. Well, is he the lead, or is Letitia the lead? Hard to tell, because they all seem very dehydrated. <laughs> or maybe it's the, the lights they shot it on the but I think, God, they've got skin like 45-year-olds. <laughs> However, his skin does notably improve in the, maybe the last two shots in the movie, so I think it might have been for cinematic effect. I'm not sure about that. So this is set in Biarritz. Yeah, now Biarritz, what's that, what, what's that once a classy place? I think it is still a classy place, so I could be oh. wrong. It's, it's nestled in the Bay of Biscay, I know that. That's much. right, it's like in the groin between France and uh, Spain, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. We've seen a, a couple of uh, French films during our seasons, haven't we? 
We have indeed. More on the art side, generally speaking. But all of them tend Some to... Some of them on the brainless art side, like Betty, Betty, Betty Blue. Blue. But, I mean, like Betty Blue, France just looks amazing in these films, doesn't it? It, I think it does, France yeah. looks spectacular. It's such a big country, France. Five times larger than the England, I think. I'm not quite sure. I mean, so. it ranges across very different sort of climatic areas, doesn't it? From the northern mm-hmm. French coastline, Brittany and Normandy, etc., which is not that much different from this country, down to the, the Mediterranean coastline. Which is, yeah, deeply Mediterranean and Alpine. Better. Alpine as well, yeah. yeah. What's the story about, Paul? I, I don't know if it's to do with the order of nouns and adjectives. It should be gangbang. But that's how you say gangbang in French. You do the noun first, bang, and then add the trick to later. But it's about a gangbang. About several gangbangs, actually. Yeah, about organised, consensual gangbangs that you just rock up to and, and you know, get, get your rocks off to. Now, I was worried when we picked this. I was hoping for sort of sex, nakedness, and some fantasy No, we material. get a lot of sensitive, sensitive presenting nipples and bits. <laughs> But we start in in good spirits, don't we? An exterior shot through the window, a first floor window, looking out onto quite a posh-looking garden as a naked woman runs through the garden. The camera pulls back and reveals an orgy taking place, isn't it? A gangbang. Yeah. With all these young people, teens, basically doing it. And this is a flashback because we get a voiceover of one of the characters. Uh, I think we then cut to scenes outside of school and he's reminiscing about that particular year of the, the harsh winter and I then the see. heat wave. And he's, he's also talking about, this is a repeated theme, or they come back to this motif again and again in the film, about these derailments on the rail network that have just happened. I don't know why. Just some yeah. big rail disaster. Maybe it's near to them. It's something like winter, sex games, derailment, heat wave in that year. Is that right? That's what he mentions, yeah. yeah. At this point, and... For about 10, 20 minutes in, into the movie, I'm thinking, you know, what what is this all about? This isn't the first movie where a, a rail crash has featured as a prominent recurring theme. There was that one that we watched about the college lecturer guy who was into Nazi studies or whatever, the postmodern <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah, what was that all about? And that had a rail crash in it, didn't it? And that was a big, like, cloud of smoke on the horizon. Oh, he was into crash studies, yeah. Or his colleague was into crash studies, yeah. A deeply strange movie. Yeah. <laughs> it gave me those vibes, though. I was thinking of that as I was watching this. I was trying to figure out why they kept referencing the, the rail disaster, because it came up two or three times on news broadcasts later, didn't it? Who knows? From the, from the country that gave us Samuel Beckett and uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, it, 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 it's... It's almost a mystery rather than a philosophy as to why they might put that in there, Rich. Fair. The film starts now. We're kind of locked into current time, aren't we? We see two girls at school. They're meeting by the hamster cage. of The biology teacher? I don't know. What, one of them's deciding to take the hamsters home. Liberate the hamsters, yeah. I guess, are they splitting up for summer? Is that what's happening? It must be, yes. It must be the beginning of the long summer vacances. She's, I guess, thinking uh, that the hamsters will be all alone, lonely. But I, I imagine that's not how school hamsters spend their summer, is it? <laughs> no, I imagine they're well catered for, particularly with water bottles. <laughs> I don't know what point we find out, but one of them drives a moped and one of them rides a skateboard. So Letitia is the one with the moped. Um, yes, a lat, as she's called sometimes in the movie. She's giving her friend George a lift on her moped. That evening they go to the beach where a bunch of friends are. There's some guys surfing. I guess I guess they really came in big with the the kind of languid vibe and the <laughs> glorious what must be glorious summers if you're a local in Biarritz. And I thought this was very evocative and I was almost envious of them at this point. All the lads go surfing. And then at some point the guys strip off their wetsuits and their CKs that they're wearing underneath and jump in skinny dipping and Letitia joins them. So she's a game girl, isn't she? I think is what he's trying to say. She is indeed. She is. Okay. But she arrives home late from all these teenage prandils. Oh yeah, she gets told off by her dad because it's 2am. She gets slapped. Grounded. She gets grounded. And slapped. Dad's not that nice a cookie, is he? It seems that she's got a hamster cage for the hamster that she's liberated. So I don't know whether well, she just has a hamster cage just hanging around, or she got it especially. I'm not. I didn't manage to figure that out. Maybe she had a hamster, and then it did what hamsters want to do, which is to die. Because all all those cage rodents just die really quickly, don't they? 
I imagine. They're not very long-lived, are they? You don't. You have no clue, Paul. Have you had? Have you, have you, I, I, you've never had a pet. I've had a rabbit. All oh, right. Okay. What age? Don't were you? make the hutch large. Rabbits like the hutch to mimic the holes, the the burrows that they they inhabit in in real life. So hutches need to be small. Oh right. That's counterintuitive. Is that the mistake people make? Yeah. They, well, these days they give them big, large, sort of dog kennel-sized hutches, and the rabbits don't feel safe in those. They like to huddle in little darkened corner and then have a little run maybe if you want to give them a run out their hutch by all means do they don't want the hutch itself to be a cavernous kind of drawing room from a georgian mansion <laughs> what age did you have a rabbit for from about age i don't know six or seven to about the age 10 or 11 it died impromptu it didn't flick its hair and say i'm exiting stage right it decided to escape its run and go and eat the potato leaves, which, as you probably well know, are poisonous. poisonous to rabbits. Is it ox- oxalic acid or something in potato leaves? Mm. I don't know. Ate the potato leaves. We found it foaming at the mouth on its side. Oh, oh but it look, he looks so like, he looks so like uh, an image of Watership Down. Peter Rabbit. Oh. Peter Rabbit when he's, he's laying on the floor. So sad. But we weren't sad to see him go. His name's Coco. We never neutered him. And I had to handle him with the heaviest industrial garden gloves you could imagine. <laughs> Right, okay. He was, he was a vicious swine, you know. He was, he was wild and feral and he had his full pride. But he wasn't a pleasant rabbit to be around. But how do rabbits get on in, in the wild if they accidentally eat potato leaves? Oh, because potatoes aren't how native. Do dogs, how do dogs get on when they eat chocolate? Yeah, but cho- chocolate's not native. Cherries <laughs> or grapes or, or drink Countless milk. things that make dogs die. Onions. Dogs don't like onions, do they? Yeah, they've got a very unevolved uh, stomach. Why? Because, you know, they're carrying, they're mostly carrying eating animals, aren't they? They mostly pick up the waste of other kills, don't I they? like dingoes or hyenas or something. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, how do humans survive when they eat, you know, mushrooms or, or berries? I mean, the dancers, they don't, they, they die. Actually, human intellect, which has evolved for whatever reason we don't exactly know, I suspect, one of the things it does is enable you to be really careful and forward thinking about these things, doesn't it? And to transmit to the next generation some sort of... Culture, like, yeah. Young might, young might call it some epigenetic culture, wouldn't they? All that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just really just... It just means passing stuff passing down. Passing stuff down, yeah, exactly. Other animals do pass things down, don't they? Crows can teach their children. Obviously, the primates can. Killer whales but, you know, have hunting whales culture. Yeah. Have hunting culture. But I think dogs pass a little bit of their experience down, and cats too. Anyway, the next thing we see is the neighbour boy... I think he's called Gabriel. Across Gabriel, the, yes. He lives across the way from Letitia. And in some ways, he is, I guess, the character we end up being most sympathetic with. Yeah, I mean, he's presented as being slightly, very so slightly introverted, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He stays at home. He has to stay at home quite a lot. He's got to help look after his disabled father. Was his father disabled because of the derailments? They say he, he suffered in, in an accident. They don't mention that. Ah. But the derailments are going on right now, so I guess it can't be. It can't be the same thing. Oh. Although I think it's a very obvious inference to make. It doesn't make sense in terms of the timeline. So, yeah, Gabriel's supposed to grow on us. When we first meet him, I have to say he's rather, he's rather petulant and rude about helping his father, which I don't think is acceptable. But he turns out to be the one of the teenagers with a brain and a head and a heart. But he's watching uh, and Letitia it- and George particularly. Through his window, isn't he, when they're sort of coming and going at all hours of the night? I think we've all done that as teenagers, haven't we? Oh, completely. He's very relatable, is Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. Although these days, I think they've been embarrassed to do it because it's a bit stalky, isn't it, watching somebody through a window? There's a fine line between stalking and liminence. That's the word for that kind of love, that, that unhealthy kind of love that is all obsessive and consuming, isn't it? Yeah. I guess the line is whether or not it's reciprocated, isn't it? If the object of your affection it reciprocates it, it's a romantic story. So they're back at school. It can't be the summer yet because they still go to school the day after. Lads at school invite... A horse playing around, yeah. They invite Letitia and George round that afternoon and they're going to skip off because they've got free periods or something, which I guess kind of Wednesdays for us, wasn't it? Letitia and George go to this lad's Alex, place. Alex, yeah. Alex is the lead, as you said, the male lead. It's Alex and his mate Nicky, yeah. Nikita, yeah, and short to Nikki, yeah. Uh, Nikki's like you, he's a ginger, isn't he? <laughs> Harkonnen. <laughs> Richard, do you know that repeated <laughs> jesting is turned as bullying these days? It depends whether it's reciprocated, doesn't it? 
if it's reciprocated, it's banter. If it's one look, Richard. I, I, I was never strongly ginger like this. Well, he's not that strongly ginger, is he? Well, thank you. Okay. So why are you considering me to be ginger? I don't know. I'm just saying, like like you, you both don't have souls. Anyway, <laughs> at one point, now they're outside by the pool. It's beautiful weather. It's Biarritz, I guess. No, just let me stop you there. We never got to confirm if, if it's the same upstairs as downstairs with, with true gingers, did we, on this movie? I think we do, yeah, because immediately... Do we get to see how it's painted? Do we see the painting downstairs? Immediately, Nicky gets his kit off, doesn't he, by the pool. He, he strips off naked. The girls are saying something like it's unfair. Boys can see whether the girls got big tits. Yeah, but tits are secondary sexual characteristics. Uh, penises and bollocks are primary. So it's <laughs> and they're saying it's unfair because they can't Great see there. what the guys have got. And so Nicky says... Well, well guys, have got, guys have got triangular shoulders... And sometimes elevated rump. So your secondary sexual characteristics displayed on males are, are obvious. I feel like I'm in your like health and sexual relationships class at school. <laughs> anyway, they start. Did they start to get it on straight away? I don't know. No, Letitia does. No, no, no. Georgie does, doesn't she? Listen, at this point in the movie, first of all, Alex is saying he's got this really big house, like mansion style, with. Big girl. Mum's away. Pool. Yeah, he says his parents are away in Morocco for about six weeks. He's an archaeologist, yeah. They're gone for six weeks. He's got the house to himself. He's got his mate Nicky over. So two things here. First, this guy comes from a really kind of wealthy family. So she's an archaeologist. No, a paleontologist. She is, actually, yeah. Well, maybe she's made good with the family money over two or three generations. Fine. Maybe they had a Yeah, I guess paleontology is not necessarily a big money occupation, is it? <laughs> so that was the first thing. The second thing is, I was thinking, wow, this Nicky, a young guy, 16, 17 maybe? 17, nearly 18. Is very comfortable in his own skin. He's happy just to get his kit off in front of his mate and these two girls. Stuart, is that him being unusual or is that being in French? Well, thank you for saying so. Sounds a bit racist. We, we, we've had, reviewed a movie where we had some continental people taking acid and having a sex and death orgy. What was it called? Climax. Gaspar Noe's climax. climax. So we've been there before. Okay. And I think I, it's fair to say that attitudes are different. There's a cultural difference. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But still, I put it to you again. At 16, 17, our kids... 17, nearly 18. 17, nearly 18, our kids that comfortable in their own skin are they so self self-confident with themselves that they would be able to just get naked i don't know but would the would the boy be able to front that confidence in order to put himself forward as, as, as being somewhat different to how he actually feels probably yeah having seen the sort of flash forward at the start of the film where they're in the orgy knowing what's going to happen i'm thinking two things one okay these people are impossibly good looking okay so they're actors and they've been cast, and they're all mm-hmm. good-looking, fine. Two, they seem overly confident with their own sexual presence and stuff. And I thought, this is a little bit possibly exploitative, but it's certainly fanciful. Now, I know this is directed by a woman, Eva Husson, is it? Eva Husson, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's necessarily a prurient thing. It may be saying a lot more than I'm reading into it at this early stage in the film, but I did think perhaps this story is a little bit unbelievable. Is it meant to be an adult story framed in the epochal moment of being a late teenager? Well, hang on, In which case, it can be more fictional. Or is it meant to be about teenagers? So I went away and looked at IMDb, of course, as I always do. Yeah. And I discovered to my shock that this is based on a true story. (laughs) Now, how closely hues to the truth, I don't know. And maybe nobody knows. I don't know whether it's the kind of thing people have gone around and interviewed these kids for. But the true story happened, I think, in the same region in 1995-96, I think, if I remember. Okay. There's two things about that. One is, it's not telling it in the same time period. No. Because these kids have got smartphones, they've got YouTube. Both of these things did not exist in 1996. In 1996, if you had a phone, it was black and white. There's certainly no colour. And you couldn't send videos on it. You could probably not take videos on them. That bit couldn't have happened to the original story. So that was interesting, though. So it's been changed and set in a more contemporary period. Correct. I mean, contemporary children, I would say, one, have a vastly sort of... a, 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 a vastly wider armoury of, of, of sexual experience than, than 
probably children of our age group and generation have. You know. Agreed now, especially, but not necessarily 1996, I don't think. Okay. But, I mean, 1996, in all honesty, is not that much older than us anyway, right? No. You know, five years or six years or something, isn't it? What am I trying to say here? I suppose just the observation that, yes, this is a true story, but it's been altered... I was trying to unpack a little bit about what those alterations might mean for the story and I why see. it was being done. Well, look at the TV series Shameless. Ah, yeah. mm. it's, it's always about council estate in Britain, but at no point is it not fictional. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It's interesting. But all the things that happen in Shameless do happen on council estate. It's just not to the same family. It's interesting you mentioned Shameless because the TV series that came to my mind watching this film all the time for me was Skins. Oh, sure, yeah, Skins. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we've mentioned Skins several times on this podcast. I think it was... Skins is very soft focus, isn't it? This, I, I, think, this, I think, had a little more edge than Skins. A little more. There's a couple of big differences between this and Skins. I wonder if you can <laughs> pick the same differences I found. Oh, you put him on the spot here. No, I've not really thought about that. For one thing, Skins is not as totally focused on sex as this film is, right? True, <laughs> true. Really, the story of this film is these kids start having orgies, having gangbangs, and then they get found out. And there's a little bit of a love triangle going on, and that's about it. To the extent that there's a kind of love triangles and overlapping romantic interest, I think that has some commonality with Skins. Skins, of course, is also about you know, young people finding their way through the same kind of issues. The one way it's definitely unlike Skins is absolutely everyone in this film is extremely white. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. And everybody's extremely straight. But if it's the 1990s, that would make sense. I think there were some not straight kind of sexual encounters going on in the orgies, weren't there? But you're right. Well, it, it, little little things like tweaking a nipple or two kind of thing. Yeah, uh, but the focus, the focus characters certainly are in heterosexual relationships, yeah, generally speaking. Although it is, it is very white. It yeah. is hinted that Alex and Nikki have got something more going on, but it's never expanded upon. They're just going to bromance on it. If they're wearing <laughs> socks, it doesn't count. <laughs> it covers a lot of ground. Digression. Or maybe not. No, the thing about the diversity, though, is surely France has quite a high population of, of African ex-French colonial kind of immigration going on. So sure does. I wonder how realistic that portrayal is of this extremely white sort of middle class. They're all very middle class, aren't they? That's another big difference between between Skins. Skins is portraying class differences all the time, isn't it? There's none of that really here in, in, this, in this film. How class conscious the French are, though? I don't think they are particularly class conscious. That They're certainly true, education yeah. class conscious. They're certainly like money class conscious, but how much does a Parisian a- a- accent rocket in the in the provinces? Not very much, I don't think, you know. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it, really, to compare these, to compare this with skin. I don't know, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, they're all of the a milieu. They're all middle class. Beerettes being what it is, is it possible that it's, you know, it's a kind of community that, through the cost of living there alone, kind of gatekeeps itself and essentially is a gated, a gated community that kind of preserves this like demographic balance, if you like. I don't know. Nikki is naked. Irrespective of whether or not we believe the characters in this supposedly true story, it's also true that the actors are pretty game in this, aren't they? It's pretty cool for actors yeah. of that age to be so comfortable. He's naked, and Alex decides to take George inside. They get off with one another. And Letitia mm-hmm. and Nikki are getting close outside. I think it starts raining, so they want to go inside and maybe do the same. But Letitia says that she'd kind of prefer to watch her mate George with Alex, doesn't she? Yeah. So she might now, be a of course, bit of a voyeur, maybe, Letitia. A bit of a voyeur. Nothing wrong with that in itself, provided you get consent. But I was thinking they missed a great sort of thunderstorm sex key, sex, sex, the, by the side of the swimming pool as it clatters down with rain. I'm, Paul, you're a, natural, you're a natural soft porn director, aren't you, for late night? <laughs> oh, you, you're not wrong about that. <laughs> Late night TV, yeah. So there is a trick or two there. I mean, a lot of the sexual activity here is attempting, one, to be kind of high, I wouldn't say highbrow, but kind of not artsy. It's mid Well shot. Mid-brow. Mid-brow. Whilst, you know, flashing a bit of tit at the same time kind of thing. So, so yeah, I, I think she strikes a balance quite well. But it's never really erotic. You, I mean, it's never like, whoa, really, they're, really, they're really doing something there, aren't they? Nobody's ever, we never, we never see somebody being completely railed, do we? We just see things jigging backwards and forwards. It's suggestive, 
uh, yeah. suggested, but not horny, you know. I mean, I don't know. Well, we can talk about how horny it is, but I mean, certainly there's a lot of sex going on. It's a bit of Jola taxi, as I'm going to say. <laughs> not only is uh, Letitia a bit of a voyeur, it seems that her friend George is a bit of an That's exhibitionist. Uh, <laughs> well, oh, yeah, okay. That's, that's perfectly okay. This is all contrasted with neighbour boy Gabriel across the... Yeah, he's a neighbour to Letitia, the but they're not... That's not where the house is that Alex has. No, they lift. They give each other lifts on the motorbike yes, each time. It's a bit of a way But he's looking up dance music on his computer. Well, he's making dance music. That's it? right. That's he's also funny. got a keyboard and stuff. And it sounded like some kind of trippy techno. He called it... The, the website was called Beat Style. But I've never heard yes. of Beat Style. I've tried looking it up. And I can't find any beat style. I can find a rapper, urban kind of hip hop musician called beat style, but I can't see a genre called beat style. There we go. Paul, is it a prejudice of mine, or is it the case that music genres have splintered, fractured, sort of fractally into a million different? Yeah, I mean, we don't call it rap anymore in the UK. We either call it trap, or we call it grime, or we call it something else, which I, I'm going to have to type in and find out. Especially in electronic dance music. Drill. Drill. Drill, yeah. And doubt, doubtless it's going to be called Rails or something pretty soon as well, okay. So, so yeah, you're absolutely right, okay. And if you listen to these different genres, they aren't so different as Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis, you know what I mean? So That may be just us getting old, though. But, I, I mean, I completely agree. I wouldn't be able to identify a lot of the subgenre classifications these days. I mean, I know what dubstep is because of the wab wabs. <laughs> I, really, I really, I really love dubstep. Well, dubstep's not been in fashion since. No, it's old uh, now. It's old news. Groove Armada, yeah. you know the Bristol, oh, no, Bristol it's Collective. Long after Groove Armada. Oh, does it still exist after Groove Armada? Groove Armada was not dubstep. Well, it was kind of like Groove Armada is trip hop, isn't it? I think. Ooh, well, there's a bit of dubbiness in there, Richard. It may be dub, but it's not dubstep. Dubstep's a very specific thing. It's the Oh, dubstep is that fast clatter one with wah, wah, some wah, with a bass drop moment. It's very specific. Now what's the dong dong? What's that northern dong dong music? <laughs> you know where they rap really fastly, northerners from Northumberland over like a really donging bass line. I know what you mean. There is there are some really cool websites where you can where it maps out music genres. And gives you the top five examples in each in each genre, and shows you the connection, the family tree, the genealogy of the of the genres. It's really really cool. But I quite like the music in this film that he was dancing to. White C did the music in this school. Who? White C. I don't know that. She's an artist, yeah, Morgan Grace Kippy, but she obviously collaborates with other people to cause herself White C. M eighty three, the French electronic group, quite famous. I think she was part of too. Huh. So it's good music, generally, the incidental school. Right, so we said George is banged away, has had a bang with Alex, who's the owner or the occupier of the house. And George is obviously smitten and with Alex, isn't, isn't she? Because she's writing his yeah. name and circling it on her Aww. exercise book, playing the name game. So was this first meeting part of an orgy? Or did the orgy start from this moment onwards? Well, it was only four of them. It, it was only like a I double see. date, wasn't it, on that first day? But I think... George kind of gets some ideas from that because she's a bit okay, of an Okay, so adding what happened, the vibe at the beach plus, you know, group sex. Yeah. And I think somehow the idea comes along to turn this up a notch or two. Yeah, so Lat doesn't quite get it on with Ginger Nikki, does she? Letitia, no, no, no. Maybe a couple of days later, George goes around to Letitia's place. Apparently her dad has gone to Cassis. Very nice. The neighbour boy is, as usual, Gabriel is watching George arrive because he seems to be into George. They're talking about this kid. I think maybe George has noticed him looking at her. Letitia said she used to be friends with him when they were kids, but he's a bit boring. They go and yell at his window, don't they? And get invited in. And he plays them his music. That's right, yeah. I think George is quite into into Gabriel as well. And Letitia compliments him on his on his work and stuff. Later later on, I think even Letitia might, at school, she might have texted Gabriel, because they live in the same street. They live in a cul-de-sac, Paul, which is a French word, is it not? Yeah, it means bottom of the bag, I think. Bottom of the bag. (laughs) How delightful. Because they live in the same cul-de-sac, I think she texts Gabriel and says, should we go home together? Later, you see her on a moped, and then Gabriel sprints past on his bike. (laughs) So I'm not sure... They really went home together. Meanwhile, Alex in his huge house is sitting there watching rhythmic gymnastics. Whilst very stoned, I think. 
Yeah. He's getting something out of this experience that's not related to sporting appreciation, I think, though. <laughs> it's, that, it's that discipline I where... don't know how people do that. Yeah. What? Gymnastics? Find sports people kind of like, 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 fuari, you know. <laughs> well, even gymnastics, which is basically just dancing, isn't it? No, it's just not really. Look, I don't think it's a real sport. Oh, heck. Oh, gosh. Right, okay. Let's not go there. Why not? I think it's high time it's said, Paul. Any sport that involves judges holding up number cards is not a real sport. <laughs> because it's not an objective measure, is it? It's highly objective. I don't think so. Listen. It's it, highly standardised. It, it's criteria-based. If I watch a football match, I know exactly who is in the lead. And if, you know, if the ball goes into the onion bag, you know they've scored it. That's success, isn't it? But if I'm, if I'm watching gymnastics, first of all, I don't really know whether what they're doing is any good. But that's, I mean, I guess uh, that's on me. I get that. Mea culpa, yeah. But there is this whole thing about whether they're doing a complicated thing averagely. Difficulty, yeah. Or an easy thing really, really well. And who? Well, the algorithms for diving in particular are very sophisticated when it comes to difficulty versus... It's bullshit, uh, Paul. How can you judge... What thing is what? so much more difficult and what thing was so better carried out? It's, you'd have to be Solomon to make that judgment. It's hopeless. Or you'd have to be some sort of generative AI. I mean, you could. Okay, if we have yeah, AI take all the data of all the dives, okay. or all the videos of all the dives, and look at the scores and work out it, were they being fairly graded or not, I'm sure you could get an answer these days. Listen, the day they do that, I'm on board. We can have them back in the Olympics. Until then, it's not a sport. You might as well... Have it like oh, harsh words, Richard. Are you trying to rail me? <laughs> you might as well. You might as well defense have, of the noble, noble sport of gymnastics. You might as well have have a public phone in hotline, like Britain's Got Talent or something, and you can everyone can just so dial in and decide what they like the best. You're gonna tell me. You're gonna tell me ballroom dancing is not a sport. <laughs> are you? You're gonna tell me synchronized swimming is not a sport. It, definitely not. <laughs> you're gonna tell me trampolining is not a sport. No. Anything where judges give scores, not a sport. It's a pastime. What about tennis? Tennis is objective. Is the ball in? Is it out? It, you know, a computer can judge that. No question. Did they tumble? Did they do the tumble or did they not do the tumble? I, gymnastics is fairly objective, no, isn't it? No, it is not. Did they land or did they did they twist their ankle? They're fairly <laughs> clear boundaries and, 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 and classes were creating here. If they were asked to do a specific move... Then they do. Oh. Then that's fine. Now they are in ice skating. There's there's the requirements, and then there's the interpretive dance that follows, isn't there? I have no idea. Yeah, it's like a little driving test slalom they have to do that you never show on TV. <laughs> really? There was yeah on TV. You always like Jane Torvald and Christopher Dean. We always watch them like halfway into the competition where they've got two dances left. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Alex is watching a girl... Brief reprieve for ice dancing there. The rest of them seems Richard has struck them off the sports register. <laughs> sports for all funding will be changed next year. I'm just saying, if I was Grand Poobah, if I was Emperor, they wouldn't be sports. That's all. You can have the competitions. I'm just... You know, don't put them in the Olympics. <laughs> Alex is watching a girl play with a ball in yeah. the pretense that it's a sport. He's been avoiding answering George. He's got a lot of missed calls and missed texts on his phone. Mm -hmm. So he's not that into her, is he, really? Even though he had sex with her one day. Well, I think, aren't we looking here? You know, the beauty of this summer, the beauty of youth, the ideals of youth. And they, they, I mean, they enter into this orgy with very much ideals, don't they? Okay. And the crushing reality that their own manipulation and skullduggery leads to the deflation of that dream. Isn't that just generally where the, the, the movie's headed, I think? Hmm. So, I mean, the boys in particular, they're very manipulative, aren't they? Are they? I, I yeah. Guess. Well, they're kind, of, they're kind of trading on the girls very soon in here. The girls very soon become sexual chattel. It's interesting that you should see that in the movie, especially a movie directed by a woman, isn't it? Is it also about the, the glory and the beauty of free love, do you think? Or? In part, it is about that, isn't it? Because it doesn't give great reverence to meaningful relationships. Well, I suppose it does at the end. I suppose it does at the end. I mean, we do get a little, uh, at the end we get a little, well, we'll get to it, a little uh, monologue by one, of the, by one of the parents, don't we? I think it's set up to, to make us think, it's all this flesh worship worthwhile. Our kids doing themselves harms by having this kind of free sex arrangement or not. Well, quite, quite. I don't know. George is trying to ask if Alex wants to see her. And he's initially making excuses. There's a chick mm -hmm. on, on TV playing with a ball. 
uh, you know, I can't, I can't pick you up because my, my moped's got a flat or something. So she offers to skate over. And then she does. She says she'll wait until her parents are asleep, sneak out, skate over on a skateboard. He invites, while she's coming over, she, he invites Nikki over, doesn't he? So again, he, yeah. it's not really like he's all into George if he's inviting his mate around to be third wheel kind of thing. But there's only this really cool scene of George just skating at night through Biarritz, looking incredibly cool. <laughs> but she arrives. It's all a bit awkward because Nikki's there and they're roughhousing whilst they're watching a ribbon event or something. <laughs> but eventually, I think Nikki falls asleep and George and Alex go away and fuck, don't they? Yeah. Pillow talk. She's asking him, you know, how many girls has he fucked and so on. And then in the morning, she has to do the skate of shame home, presumably before her parents wake up. It's, she's just impossibly cool. Yeah. But when does the orgy actually happen? This, this is, is it. Next All of this stuff is setting up the fact that George is into Alex. He's not that into her. At school, yeah. she's on the staircase, looks out a window. She sees him outside. She calls him and she sees him look at his phone and then reject the call. And he's sitting chatting with Nikki and stuff. So she's feeling a bit neglected, isn't she? And possibly a bit used. Yeah. I mean, they are used later on, okay? I mean, they're plied with drugs that the boys know that they're not interested in, you know, a romantic relationship with these girls. They just want them to perform more confidently and more extrovertly in this group sex. So, so yeah, I'm not sure about the tone of the movie, what it's saying about about the relationships and the interactions here between these teenagers. But. So the orgy happens because Letitia's talking to George about Alex, asking about him. Obviously, she hasn't had much contact with Alex, and Letitia assumes that George has dumped him. She mentions that he's having a party on the Saturday in his empty house. Ah, right. But George hasn't been invited, but obviously Letitia's heard about it. And at the party, Letitia is there, she's speaking to Alex, she's asking for a jumper, no wonder, because she's wearing this really sheer top, you can see her nipples through. He takes her to his room, gives her one of his tops, and then gets off with Letitia, even though she was a bit anxious about doing this because of George's feeling for Alex. And she also Uh reveals to Alex that she's a virgin at at that point. George meets Alex on the landing, and he seems surprised that she's come. Like, he obviously hadn't invited her to the party. She's obviously very confused that he's kind of hot and cold with her. He tells her that she'd, she should go, but she doesn't. She goes downstairs. I think she ends up with Nikki, who gives her some drugs, oh. which I presume is MDMA. I don't know. Yes, it would be in the 90s. Yeah, set in the 90s, but not really set in the 90s. Oh, but not really set in the 90s. But yeah, I suppose if it was taken from 90s, it probably would be MDMA. I think you're right. Might be some sex drugs these days, like ketamine or something like that. Alex couldn't find a condom. He was walking around looking for a condom. Goes back up to Letitia, and then they have sex nonetheless, which is obviously going to come back and haunt them later, as you can imagine. Come back and scratch them later. Yeah. They're going to scratch it later, yeah. Yeah. George gets Nikki to put porn on the projector they've got running from yeah. their phones or something. And then they initiate a game of truth or dare, spin the bowl. So a lot of this behaviour, I think it depends, like a Blur movie, if you see it in a French <laughs> accent, you know, wandering around, throwing jelly each other in a French mansion, it's classy. But if this was on a housing estate in Basildon, none of this would, would be classy. It wouldn't would it? work, yeah. It'd be <laughs> it would be like really, really decrepit behaviour. It would be sleazy like, at best. Yeah. Sleazy, yeah. 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 So they're playing, I say truth or dare, it's actually dare or dare, isn't it? There's no, there's no truth Yeah, it's a bit involved. crap, and it's a bit sleazy, and it's a bit shitty. But George strips off, well, she, no, she strips Nicky off in front of everybody and then sits mm. on him. Alex is videoing himself fucking Letitia, mm. and Letitia wonders if they should do something with the video. And again, very exhibitionist kind of tendencies going on here. And George, and after strange. the party... She fucks off out of the party, furious with Letitia for sleeping with Alex. As she's leaving, she sees a house that Gabriel's gone to, a different place, where he's like moshing, dancing crazily to his beat-style EDM music. That's right, yeah, but it wasn't really very frenetic, the music, was it, to be dancing like they were dancing? <laughs> they were dancing more energetically than you might expect. But they're so, <laughs> they were fully into Fair it. Fair play to yeah. them. I'm not, you know, it's just, it's just to the unnoticed, that sort of... Nicky, the, the ginger kid... He's talking with Alex later, isn't he? I think he's setting up a website called Bang Gang, or trying yes. to, trying to register a domain. And they end up putting Letitia and Alex's sex video on it. Alex points out he's never going to be a billionaire because porn is free these days. Again, that right, wasn't true another... in 1995, but it is more true now. 2015, yeah. 
But then Alice says, wait a minute, okay, what if we let, have some user-generated content? They can pay to upload their own stuff and show it off here. We can still make some money out of it. So I guess he's the brains of the outfit, isn't he? And we see that on the beach later, the popularity of this bang gang thing is swelling. And Alex has got Nicky to move in with him, so he's not alone in his house. I guess he's got his mate there. When they get bored and horny, they just invite people along to start another sort of orgy bang gang party. Yeah. We see during one of these, Alex takes a call from his mum on the phone. He's lying on a floaty thing in the pool. I can't imagine having a phone and wanting to put it in the water on a pool float because it's bound to end up isn't it? How can it not end up going in the well, pool? Well, in the middle of an orgy, yeah. I mean, <laughs> So at this point, doesn't Alex hop off and go to stay with his mum in the middle of Morocco or Egypt? No, that's at the very end. Look, we, oh, we, we've okay. only just got pulled to the montage moment of the film. Ah. And the montage moment here, I think, is expressing the fact that over several weeks, maybe, whilst his parents were away. They have lots of gangbangs. Yeah, this is happening quite a lot. And there's media being posted on the web pages. And then we come out of the montage. Letitia is inviting Gabriel over and asks him about going to one of the bang gangs. You know, why don't you go? He, he says he's not into groups, which I completely understand. I think I'd be the same. <laughs> it's not very intimate, is it, having to perform in front no, of... No, it's not. Of, and you might say it's a little bit unusual. <laughs> but when we look at the North Sentinel Islanders, we actually find that in, in Stone Age communities that it's quite a common occurrence. How do we know that the North Sentinel Islanders like group sex, Paul? Because we're snooping on them with, with long angle, with long lens, <laughs> with, sorry, with long, with, what do you call it, long distance lens, wide angle lens cameras. They could just be fucking with us though, Paul, couldn't they? They could, could be doing it because they hate us. If, what, if they've got equivalent lenses to see that we're spotting spine on them, like, like it happens in the Sims game, made out of wood. <laughs> Wooden stone, perhaps, yeah, but unlikely. So you're saying... Yeah. Oh, no, the whole the whole community joins in. Right. Grandma with grandchild. Oh, my gosh. Right. So you're yes, saying that there's it, like a natural propensity for this built into humankind. Maybe once a year, you know, I think... <laughs> Every Christmas. I, I think when the shaman of the tribe puts... The stuff puts in the, the, in the uh, porridge, yeah. Puts the old fish, the fermented fish in the porridge that day. <laughs> then, and it's going to happen, isn't it? Strangely, Letitia says she's not into groups either, but she does say it makes her feel free. She makes a good job of it, doesn't she? (laughs) So she invites him to Alex's house, which is rude, really, inviting someone else's house. Such a formal party too, isn't it? (laughs) She she also (laughs) invites George, and I think the idea is she's maybe trying to hook them up because she knows that George was kind of into Gabriel and that he's into her. So, And since she's got off with George's, what's the word? Paramore, Alex. I guess she's trying mm-hmm. to make it up for it, isn't it? By hooking them up. Yeah. George arrives at the party, gets high with Nikki as usual. He, he says, you're like a nuclear reactor radiating joyful energy. And I was yes. thinking in France, they have a very different attitude to nuclear energy, don't they? Joyful and... Well, yeah, 40% of their electricity is met by nuclear energy. It just doesn't have the same ambience, certainly in Britain and America. So there's coke on the table, and I think the girls are, well, they're either drugged up or whatever, and they're glowing with the power of pharmaceuticals, is that right? And we're now in the sequence that we saw in the very opening, the cold open of the film, with... Well, everybody's getting down to it, yeah. Exactly, it's like the peak of the gangbang. Alex is stumbling out of bed where two girls were lying with him, and he goes to look out the window, as we saw at the very start. He goes through the house, he sees... George being kind of railed in train fashion as multiple guys go in and out of the room that she's in. He walks out of the house to the pool, jumps in naked and sits on the bottom of the pool for a bit. I think maybe he's over it all. I think that's what we're supposed to be getting, isn't it? Yeah, see, so I think the perspective here is, you know, at first he was like, well, what do you mean I've got to be your boyfriend? I don't have to be your boyfriend. It's all free love here. But when the tables are turned, you see, and he sees uh, the girl he actually likes... As you say, being railed, you know, as I sensitively described, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 something else for him to to consider, isn't it? Yeah. So I think what the director's doing, she's trying to take us on that journey where ideals imply permissive laxity, but that laxity itself takes us to a place that we don't necessarily want to be. That's reality, you know. Right. Well, Gabriel arrives and he finds this bacchanalian scene going on: naked girls in dirty bathwater. 
It was quite dirty that water, and mm. it would be. He finds he finds George naked in a room. She invites him into the room to fuck her. She's asking him about the dance house that he was in that she saw him in. He's initially reluctant. I think he can detect that she's probably high, but she seduces him with kisses on his neck, which gotta say oh. would work every time. It, it would probably send me. I think his on it would work. Sure. At the beginning of the movie, they, they do French kissing. I'm not sure. Well, French they're French, Paul. I know. I don't think they can do any other kind, can they? <laughs> I know, but like sensitively kissing on the on the neck and that kind of thing, I think it's very erotic. But I, I fail to see the charm of French kissing itself. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a bit continental, isn't it? <laughs> like like duvets, I can't be doing with them. Give me some hospital corners. <laughs> so, well, I don't know. I mean, like, are, are you a fan of that particular form of of uh, intimacy, Richard? French, French kissing, kiss? yeah, sure. But each their own pull. Don't let me. Don't let me force you into anything you don't want to do. <laughs> well, not like these kids now. <laughs> Gabriel walks George home, and he explains beat-style music, which uh, which I, I'd love to know more about, as I mentioned. And then at school, it seems a video that has been taken of George has wound up on YouTube. Don't on know YouTube, how, strangely. Don't know how 10 years before YouTube was invented. And YouTube would take that kind of shit down anyway, wouldn't they, right away? Yeah. I think Gabriel goes to see George to console her. He gently chastises her, but from a place of love. Gabriel beats up some guy at school, forces him to take the YouTube video down. Then we get a voiceover saying, you know, and then of course this was our this was our frenzied moment of uh, media attention, but it was all forgotten when the heat wave that followed. Well, it wasn't forgotten, was it? Because it turns out George has got a sexually transmitted infection. And she has to go yes. and get it checked. She goes to the school nurse and then winds up getting checked. Turns out maybe there's syphilis. And Letitia, I think, was pregnant and had to yes. get an abortion. And this, as you say, is where, at the end of the film, Gabriel's dad really has a go at him for being mediocre, he calls him, for treating mm. sex and relationships in this way, which is very unfair because Gabriel, out of all of them, wasn't really... Was the most sensitive and the kindest, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he, okay, he ended up having sex with George when she was a little bit high, but I think that was an unavoidable... I don't think you could really accuse him, really, of losing his mind there. The other kids, yeah, maybe deserve this this speech. Well, it's interesting. So I, it's, it's seesawing on this point. Should we encourage people to see sex as something more sacred? Or should it just be fun and flesh? I mean... Mm, exactly right, yeah. Because there's no middle, there's no middle ground between those two perspectives, is there? Really, that's a problem. It's sex positivity is the thing that has been watchword for a few years. I think it's falling out of favour because mm. of its implication of some sex negativity that went before it. For women, it is certainly true that promiscuity is often seen as a very negative trait for women, unfairly, as men are usually lauded for their the promiscuity, aren't they? I, I suppose this is showing the flip side in some ways. Yeah. But to what extent is this movie piggybacking on the back of the idea, if I do morally bad things, then bad things in reality will happen to me, not because there's a tangential connection like there is with sexual, sexual transmitted diseases, but because lack of morals implies some sort of earthly punishment. I mean, does the movie head into those kind of misty areas of saying this is immoral and so that's why they got their comeuppance or not? I don't know if it does, narratively speaking. Well, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's telling a true story. Presumably we know about this happening because the kids wound up getting pregnant and getting STIs. (laughs) (laughs) And because that's an interesting thing. If all these kids were innocent and they were all virgins before they started all of this, presumably none of them could have got gonorrhea and syphilis. Presumably some of them must have been having a debauched time outside of this circle already. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about that. You're right, yeah. I mean, contrasting this with Skins, they remade Skins in the US. I never knew that. I know they remade Shameless, but I never knew they remade Skins. MTV did it, actually. So They, they did not. They recast it. They followed very closely to the first season. Whoa. But they changed a few things which annoyed a lot of people, and it's generally regarded as terrible. Oh, it's brilliant. One of the reasons that it was cancelled after the first season, though, was Americans got very het up about the sexual content. And again, you know, Skins is nothing like this film, is it? But, I mean, there's certainly plenty of 
teenage sex depicted in Skins. In one of the scenes, for instance, there's a moment you might remember where one of the characters takes Viagra and winds up running down the road naked to go to his men, mates or his girlfriend's house or something, doesn't he? And in the American version, the actor who played that role, and they did the same scene, the actor who played that role was 17 at the time when he filmed it. And so the American kind of moral majority types, the people who watchdog TV stuff, complained that this was truly child pornography, which... I mean, I suppose they may have a point there, but in in the UK, the Skins actor was like 19 when he did that role. Mm. But I suppose the idea, what I'm trying to say is Skins and this film are merely reflecting stuff that actually happens, right? And you might argue that it is sort of judging in a sense, because I don't think either Skins or this film are saying that this is the correct or the right way to do things. Mm -hmm. The characters don't end up being all that happy about I think we're free to judge. I was just wondering from what perspective they're judging from it's bad because it's bad, so bad things happen to you. Or it's a bad idea to do these because of sexual transmitted diseases. Do you see what I'm saying? Where there's a fundamental moral claim to not having wild free sex parties or if it's just practicalities that the movie's trying to get across. The thing about the sexually transmitted diseases, even the pregnancy, is it's medically dealt with at the end isn't it i mean mm-hmm. they just take their antibiotics and and it's dealt with they'll get tested they tested the whole school that must have been fun <laughs> so in that sense it's kind of uh consequence free mm-hmm. but i think more importantly it's trying to express the idea that it treats the emotions of the people involved rather callously doesn't it yeah the girl george was suffering because she had the hearts for one guy who wasn't that into her in the end, she found love. It's not a morally black and white issue, is it? It can't, it can't no. be. I guess what we should do, though, is rate this film, and then we can come out with a single numerical value, like Caleb's two and a half stars for the film that stole his idea. Like diving. Like diving, or yeah. like gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Are you ready, Richard? This I'm is not a sport. There to, some, <laughs> to some extent. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. It is endearingly brainless, I think, as a movie. I like the languid beginning, but, I mean, it very quickly becomes an indoor kind of shoe, doesn't it? In terms of aesthetics, which maybe it's unfair to look to French movies to also provide aesthetics, but I thought it did provide in some respect. Generally, I enjoyed that. But I just don't really think... Everything was just too smooth. I'm sure it was <laughs> set in England. With the news of some of these things that happen and, and you know the bad news about the diseases, people will be breaking down and crying and arguing and throwing stuff at each other. But, okay, it's just so much free love in this movie, isn't it? If it was so. set in England, it wouldn't have happened because everyone would be too self-conscious, right? Surely. Or would have to get knockout drunk to do <laughs> yeah. it and then fall out, fall out of their pants as they're trying to take them off kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> face facts, we're not as good at sex as the French are. Let's face it. So maybe that is realistic, you know, the fact <laughs> that they just get on with it and don't really argue with each other about, about partners and that kind of stuff. But I just thought it was all quite smooth. And I never really got any raw or gutsy emotion coming out of here. So let's talk about the acting then. I mean, all these people are very pretty. All these people can act. (laughs) All these people can act having sex. Uh, So for that reason, I'm going to give it a six. But I didn't really see anything more apart from model looks across the swimming pool. You know, those kind of serious faces that models put on. Well, I thought Alex, played by Finnegan Oldfield, British but with a French mother, he was amazing. I thought the tissue was Ah. really good. Played by someone called Daisy Broom. Sounds British, but I think she must be French. Daisy Broom, yes. I'll give it a seven. I'm more, more generous than that. Okay, you like, you like the actors. These are, young, these are young actors, Paul. I thought they did an amazing job being free and uninhibited. Yes, he was only 22, 23 at the time, Finnegan, wasn't he, when he did this? Right, okay, so that's the acting plot. I mean, I guess it has to stay on the tram lines of the, you know, or close to the tram lines of the original story. Does it, though? I don't uh, know. Did it? We know. We don't know. Maybe, don't maybe know. this is a famous story in France that we don't hear of, but who knows? I'll tell you something. One of the things that this movie seems to be motioning at is revenge porn and posting things online that are going to haunt you forever. Yeah. That couldn't have happened in 1995. There's no way that happened in 1995. 1995, 1996, if you had the internet at home, which was a big if, it was a dial-up modem, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> no no one was uploading their sex videos. What would they have taken them on anyway? Your phone certainly didn't do videos. What, you, you got your, your VHS camcorder out? Yeah, you have to get it on your shoulder and carry it around <laughs> with a lead. So, yeah, some practicalities of how this relates to the real story. 
But I, I just didn't, I don't think he, I mean, there are issues here to explore. I don't think he really explored anything with any kind of obvious directorial perspective, you know. No a, huge a insight here, no. Lack of perspective, I want to say, is it, there was a story provided by real life. They did portray it, but we didn't really piggyback off that to, to, to go anywhere with it. So for me, I think that's the weak point here. I'm going to have to score it five, unfortunately. Hmm. Well, I will score. Yeah, you, you're right. This is, this is weak. I'll, I'll give it a six, though. No, no, a five. A five is right. You're right. I mean, do you know, like the, the over, the overlay, like they, they tried to put on the winter came and then, then we had our sex party and then we had the derailments and it was all forgotten in the cruel heat ways that followed. I think somehow they're trying to cast this in a broader allegorical or metaphorical framework. But, but what, what does it mean? I don't work. know. Um, yeah, it doesn't work, does what's it? What's the point as well of making... It's supposed to be elegaic comments, but they're not elegaic. What's the point of making reference to these historical events, you know, a heat wave, derailments, if they're not if really comes if it. they're not really setting it in 1995? Correct. It's weird, isn't it? It's a bit of a strange disjoint. I'm trying to think, like, what kind of movie would... I like Taxi Driver, is it? Taxi Driver, you know, the heat drives him bonkers, that kind of stuff. Sure. But here it just didn't make sense, to. Okay, on to the sex, Richard. Did you enjoy the sex? <laughs> There's plenty of it, and they all are all very pretty, but they're probably way too young, aren't they? Well, it's portrayed, but in actual fact, they were up to 22, 23, 24, or whatever. I mean, was it sensibly short? Did it make sense? Did it build with a story? Oh, right. Or You're thinking of those. Flesh, I see. Was it flesh for flesh's sake? Or, well, you can score it however No, you I want think to, it was fairly sensitively shot, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know whether that, that I should mark it up or down for that. <laughs> I'd say it didn't feel very raw, did it, at any time? No. It felt like... I think like... if you're having a gangbang, at some point you have to prepare You have to prepare your audience for watching people getting absolutely nailed. Do you know what I mean? It felt a little bit like a coffee table book, didn't it? Like a lot of French films do effortlessly, yeah. I guess. A sheen to it, but not quite what the subject matter demanded. For me, I'm going to give the score a, six, a score of 6.5 for this. Yeah, I was actually thinking a 6 as well, boringly. Sexual activity. I mean, it, you know, there's lots of it, I suppose. And it starts early, doesn't it? You don't have to wait for very long. Okay, moving on from sexual activity. What do you think about atmosphere generally for this movie? I do quite like, as I say, they're so cool, aren't they? The, the French, The yeah, girls yeah. skating around. That's a really interesting observation about teenage love. One of the things that makes or breaks a relationship is whether or not, you know, you have the transport to go meet one another. The opportunity. <laughs> so true. It is true, yeah. So the, the fact that he says, oh, my moped's broken, and she says, no, no problem, I'll just skate over there. It's just I cool. with panache. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I skated at once. Uh, well, I was much too old to, and got drunk and broke my arm. <laughs> what, on a skateboard? I thought. On a skateboard, yeah. Well, okay. Well, you deserve everything you get then. Really hurt. I'm not surprised. But my, my wrist is much stronger than it used to be. Not from watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you should skate and break more because you'll. Increasingly. It comes back stronger. It, it really does come back stronger. You'll be a it's Superman a after a while. I love the whole Barrett's atmosphere. You don't really see very oh, much. Yeah. I mean, there isn't very much outdoor shot, as you say. It's A lot of it is interiors of big houses and stuff. But you, you do get a sense of the place, don't you? Yeah. So I like the atmosphere. I liked how uncool like their drinking game party was. It was kind of like... I think she made the right decision there, the director. And you, there was like, quite yeah, a lot of smoking yeah. as well. Again, you wouldn't get that these days, would you? The kids wouldn't be smoking. They'd be vaping. I don't know. They'd be vaping. Well, they'd be, they'd be bonging too, wouldn't they? Probably, yeah, yeah. It's more popular than ever. I think when we were kids, you know, like dope, or whatever we used to call it, was 2%. Yeah, <laughs> right. Even, even your common garden skunk these days is 12 14%. They can get through an eighth, or the 3.5 they call it these days. They can get through a 3.5 or 9. Individually, not shared. They're, they're, they're putting a lot into their systems these days. So it might be a cloud-filled room again these days. Who knows? Hmm. So for atmosphere, I'm going to give it a 7. Good. I, I love the atmosphere. It's very evocative, very apocal, but not quite tingly spine kind of, oh, that really sums up a summer, a gl- glorious summer moment. Because, I mean, there's a lot of beauty in youth, isn't there? And I think some of that beauty came through here. The downside of all this impending reality, yeah, I think is brought across to it. All that builds into this atmosphere. I would have expected more thunderstorms here with ironic or foreboding intent, but we didn't <laughs> get that many, did we? So overall, for Amazon, I'm going to score a, a glorious 8.5. Oh, that's, that's high. Okay. Okay, so your final score then? 
And let me ask you. It's going to be a six. A six. Oh. Well, yeah. let me, in, in concert with that, let me ask you, who is the audience for this film? Who should be watching it? No idea, actually. I mean, it's not made for teenagers, so. Isn't it? Couldn't you show this no. in school as an educational? <laughs> I don't think so, no, no. no. I'm going to have to give it a five. It's, I think it's very marginal as to whether this is recommendable or mm. not. It flopped at the box office, anyone's interested to know. Yeah, so so audiences generally didn't really have much interest. I think you'd be better off watching just, Skins, in all honesty. It's just lacking a bit of something, isn't it? It's a 2CV with an old 400cc engine, isn't it? You know, I mean... <laughs> right. A hoot, but no, no good to drive every day. That was 17, wasn't it, Richard? So... I guess you're going to present me with some choices for episode 18. I will present you with some choices, yeah. And I wish I'd thought more. Oh, by the way, this movie, which we've just scored an average of 5.5, if you're interested in watching it free, if you hop on a VPN, American VPN, you can get it free on Flex. You can also get it free on Tubi, T-U-B-I. I guess that's, you know, as in Tube TV, another streaming service if you use an American VPN. I have genuinely useful information, Paul. Thank you for that. For once. For once. <laughs> I'll give you a choice of two films. Thank this you. This is very lazy of me. We can either watch Totally Killer or The Killer. Totally Killer sounds like some Valley Girl. Totally Killer, man. I think it might be. Oh, uh, The Killer. Let's have a look. No, I'm fine to head back into horror. We've had a brief respite from the battlefield. Let's 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 plunge once more in there. I'm going to go for Totally Killer. I know nothing about it. But I just like the sound of the title and what it promises. Okay, so we're locked in on Totally Killer. Absolutely. Well, let me tell you, it's a time loop movie. (laughs) Oh, hooray! All right. Well, that's better than horror. So until the next time, thank you for listening. This has been Drive-By Cinema with me, Rick. And me, Paul. Do join us next time. Ciao for now. See you in the next one. Bye. Thank you.